Kim Barnzerico of the Michigan Wolverines is here to talk about all things Michigan and Big Ten, and probably, since you know the show, some Jersey talk too. Locked on Women's Basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, thanking you for making us your first listen every day. Of course, we are five days a week focused on women's basketball every weekday, every Saturday as well with the WNBA Draft Show, very specifically. Make sure you're getting us wherever you get your podcasts. And it's not just me. It is the entire team from the next, an incredible group of more than 30 journalists who are covering the women's game, over 100 reported pieces every month. Go and check us out, thenexthoops.com. Sign up for the free email or for $9 a month, 72 a year. You can become a paid subscriber and help continue the work that we are doing. And a great deal of that work has focused around the program of Kim Barnes-Arico. Kim, you know, obviously... An Elite Eight uh, last year is very impressive, um, but this is going to be a rebuilding year. You lose Nas Hillman. I assume uh, the schedule has been tough early. I'm just going to take a quick look and see how the results are coming in for you this year. I mean, you played Baylor, obviously. You, you And uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting word that you are undefeated and number 14 in the country. <laughs> so as the uh, primary member of the FDU Madison to NJIT to Michigan Pipeline, Take me through what has allowed Michigan to fearlessly go forward in um, the post-Nas era and somehow not even miss a beat. Then we'll get into how you're doing it, which is fascinating to me. Well, good morning, Howard, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, And I also want to thank you and all your other journalists for promoting uh, women's basketball and, and for having this opportunity. I think it's great to grow the game. And I really um, am thankful for so many people that sacrifice so much of their time and energy to really help women and women's basketball. So I appreciate that. Um, coming into coming into this year, uh, you know, when you lose Nas Hillman, arguably the, the greatest player in Michigan basketball history, I would say men's or women's. I know there'd be a lot of people that would argue that, but I think a lot of people would, would agree with that. Um, I, I think a lot of a lot of folks out there were not sure um, the direction of our program and and where we would go. I mean, we finished last year seventh in the country, and in most preseason rankings, we weren't even in the top 25. Um, so I, I think that right there um, bothered the returning players in our program. And they, um, you know, I think when you decide to come to the University of Michigan, it's not a program that has had rich history or rich tradition in women's basketball. You know, we have tradition and history in all other sports and our university university is arguably one of the best in the world, but women's basketball hasn't had that history and tradition. So I think when you're a player and you decide to come to the University of Michigan, you decide that you want to create history and you want to be a, a part of something that hasn't been done before. And whether that's Hallie Thome or Nas Hillman or all the players that have come before, 
you know, they left doing things that hadn't been done and hanging banners that had never been hung before. So that ship that the players in our program have hasn't gone away because, you know, Nas has graduated or Danielle Roush or Amy Dilk has graduated. They still feel as if they have something to prove. And I think when you have, you know, Emily Kaiser and Leah Brown returning as fifth year players with that kind of experience and that kind of understanding of the culture, um, they don't want anything to drop. So there's a certain standard um, that they practice with every single day. And and we always talk about that doesn't always relate to wins and losses. It really doesn't. It, it relates to the process, though, the mm-hmm. process of building something and the process of improving. So I think, you know, our upperclassmen have really set that example to everyone else in the program. I mean, you talked about that example, and, and I want to get into it because they are doing things, especially Kaiser is doing some things this year that uh, – I don't think necessarily people understood she was capable of. And so you look at, you know, you kind of drill down. Um, she has become, you know, your featured number one scorer. And she's doing so much of that damage at the rim. If you, if you, CBB Analytics has her shot chart and you take a look. And at the rim, she's gone from 55.5% to 67.2. She was sub 50% from two overall. And now she's north of 60%. And there's sort of two parts to that. One is when you were kind of conceptualizing what this team was going to be this year, how did you decide to build that around her? And what did you see from her that's allowing her uh, to become so much more efficient, uh, specifically around the rim? Yeah, I mean, those are great, great questions. Uh, And I think, you know, we use Emily Kaiser as an example to all the younger kids in our program. And, you know, before you know, Emily Kaiser, there were other examples, you know, whether that was a Kenry Johnson or Kayla Robbins or Saisha Gori of players that have played behind someone great. Um, you know, Nas Hillman came to kind of play behind Hallie Thome and to learn from her her freshman year. And I think, you know, when you come here, or when you go to, to, to any team, a lot of kids or a lot of players think that, you know, those opportunities are going to present themselves immediately. And a lot of times they don't. And players really don't know how to handle that. We've tried to build a culture here where, you know, look at the players that have come before you and look at the example that they've set. You know, Danielle Roush, who really didn't, you know, play much in her first three years, you know, led our team to the Sweet 16 and then to the Elite Eight at a point guard position last year, but continued to improve and continue to work and continue to believe in the process. And I've been incredibly fortunate to have some unbelievable assisting coaches. And a lot of them have moved on to become head coaches, you know, whether that's Megan Duffy or, or Melanie Moore or um, Carrie Moore most recently that have worked with these individuals every single day. And, you know, now I have some, some great ones, Um, you know, Harry Rafferty, you know, for example, Val Nyema, who every day invests time in player development. And we have players that really want to be great and want to invest that time. You know, Emily was one of those. And every day her freshman year, you know, she didn't play much. She didn't get in the game. And after every practice, her and and Danielle, they would stay after and they would continue to work and they would grab a couple of guys, our managers, and they would just invest that time. And, 
there's no substitute for work. And a lot of people don't believe that. And a lot of people don't buy into that. Or, or a lot of people want to see immediate results or quick results. Well, the, the Emily is a perfect example of someone that put in the work and didn't see those immediate results, but continued to grind. She always had an incredibly high IQ and always was able to kind of give great help defense, do the intangibles of which our program are built on, which are taking charges, get on the floor for loose balls. And she always did that around Nas. So she helped Nas in so many ways that other people didn't see last year um, because they only saw Nas's scoring and rebounding output and they didn't really see what Emily was doing. Um, there was a game last year where um, Nas was sick and, sh and she had to miss a game and Emily was became our go-to. And I think it was in that moment because she had a lot of times faced up to Nas and, and never really played back to the basket when Nas was out there. Um, but she led our team in scoring that day and hardly missed a shot with her back to the basket. And it was in that moment. And that was early on in our season last year, probably before Christmas, mm -hmm. that we were, I was personally like, oh my goodness, this kid has it all. She's not only the face up kid. She's not only, you know, the unbelievable defender and high IQ and tremendous passer, but she can score with her back to the basket. So it was after that time that we started to really put her in more of those situations more and more. And um, I think this year, you know, we try to utilize her in both of those spots because she is so effective. She's she's probably next to Leah Brown, you know, our, our second best passer and mm -hmm. has such a great feel for the game. So we don't only want to use her inside, but she is so dynamic inside as well. Um, but I but I also think it speaks to, you know, the opportunity that a lot of these young student athletes have had in their fifth year. You know, they've really grown, they've really matured, they really have a tremendous understanding, and they're kind of taking college basketball by storm. It's, it's been delightful to see. And, of course, your team up and down the roster passes exceptionally well, top 50 in the country in assist, uh, assisted shot rate, I believe 15th in the country in terms of uh, overall assists. And so, you know, you always have multiple playmakers, uh, to be sure. But there's you haven't sacrificed – anything from what made you especially good last year, even as you've changed in some fundamental ways, the way your team plays. And so just to preface it, you know, for our listeners to understand, uh, we need to get into it and talk about the fact that someone close to the program said to me, I think this is so true, that your teams always figure out the best way to win with the personnel you have, that you are somebody who is better at making adjustments than anyone else. So um, we're going to detail some of those. However, first, I'm going to talk to you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks, a sponsor of Lockdown Women's Basketball, of course. Uh, and Prize Picks is daily fantasy where you pick two to six players. They will go score more or less than the Prize Picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. It's not competing against other people, it's just you versus the projections available. More significantly to me, there is WNBA. There is women's college basketball. This is a game that truly has equality between men and women. While I don't play myself, uh, I am a big believer that those opportunities need to be equal. And I think you will as well. So don't download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign on and play daily fantasy sports. Uh, first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. Again, that promo code locked on for an instant deposit up to $100 over at PrizePix. All right. So I want to talk about this number, and this is my favorite 
hmm, I don't know. I have a lot of favorite numbers, but this is one of my favorites. Nas Hillman, like you said, you know, I'll make the argument, you know, best player, men or men or women in the history of the Michigan program. I, I agree with you. Um, and that is, there have been a lot of great players to be sure. Um, but you lose Nas, you lose a great rebounder. Your uh, rebound percentage last year, excellent. Among the best in the country, 57.3%. You're getting 58% of available rebounds now this year somehow, and you're doing it as a team effort. Uh, you know, what, what allows that to happen? Is this just... A, an extension of culture, the way rebounding is so much the case, you know, uh, throughout this sport. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit on a bunch of things and, and, you know, I, I had another conversation yesterday and, and spoke a, a lot about the different things inside our program. And I think we have like these core values and these staples that are like non-negotiables and we practice our rebounding every single day. You know, we knew that, you know, when you lose Nas and she was probably one of the best rebounders in the country last year, that that was going to be an area where we were really going to need some help. And um, that's something that we do every single day is rebounding drills and emphasizing that and talking about a motor to the ball and really emphasizing that and showing what that looks like. I think, you know, we say that, you know, we want to be the hardest working team in America. You know, most teams in the country say that everybody wants to work hard. Um, but how do you measure that? And we try to measure that every single day in practice by, you know, who's getting on the floor and how are you getting on the floor? And are you willing to take charges and are you willing to sacrifice? And how many offensive rebounds do you have? And how many defensive rebounds do you have? And do you win the communication points in practice? Are you being vocal? And and then we have, you know, we reward those things in the game as well. And we have little stickers that, you know, go on their lockers after games to really reward that. And I think that really, you know, kind of establishes our culture of effort and work and rebounding is effort and work and it's a mindset and it's a mentality. And, and that's something that's really important to us. And, and, you know, when, when you touched on making adjustments, it's, it's funny, I've been doing this a long time now. And I think there are certain coaches and certain programs that every year we play and I'm like, okay, I have files for the last 20 years on this team. I can go back and read my notes, what works against them, what doesn't work against them, where can they be exposed, where are they weak defensively, like where are they strong, and and I could follow those game plans. And then there are other coaches that, depending upon who is in their program, you know, they make adjustments. And I think that has been, um, that has played to our, you know, to our benefit to be able to do that. And, you know, a lot of teams, you know, even with recruits, I, I don't know if other people use this against us. Well, you only played through the post. Well, heck, we played through the post because we had Nas Hillman. You know, when Caitlin Flaherty was here, we played through the guard. She scored over 2,000 points too. So I, I think as a coach, um, for our team to be as successful as possible, we have to play through the strengths of our team. And, you know, that's, you know, this year, obviously, Emily Kaiser has certainly stepped up. But Leah Brown is such an incredible playmaker as well. And and Layla Felia has really elevated her game and, and from freshman year to sophomore year. So I think, you know, we have to figure out what what is our best way to be successful. And that might be that might change game to game. That might change season to season. But that's our responsibility as a coaching staff to figure out how we can be successful. Well, but. You always do. I mean, it's easier said than done, right? There, there are these two ways. I mean, you know, the, your St. John's teams are the same way. Like, this has just been the pattern throughout your career. But there are these two critical ways where, uh, you know, to me, it's amazing to make this shift, uh, but to have it work 
so quickly and so well. So, you know, you mentioned Laylophilia and obviously her three point shooting is a significant part of this. But you guys go from you were 227th in the country in made threes last year. You're 90th right now. And uh, shooting the ball at an elevated rate, Layla's, I think, at 48%, something like that. You, you know, making the three a critical part, you talked about it at Big Ten Media Day, that this was going to be the way in which you were going to do it. I mean, is that something where, like, even in practice at the end of last season, you're already starting to see that transition? Like, what? how, how does the rubber hit the road to allow a team to be able to, you know, pivot in that way, the way you guys have so quickly? Yeah, I think the pivoting is really important and that, you know, we we stole that word from COVID and we use it all the time now in practice. But the ability to do that and, you know, it, it was a little bit difficult um, at the end of the season when we started our summer workouts because our guards had a tendency to do this because mm -hmm. they're always looking for Nas and everything was this. And, a lot, and we, we had to scrap that and we worked hard. I mean, we had some unbelievable shooters last year as well. They just didn't need to take them as much because Nas was so efficient and we were so successful going inside. And then if they doubled, we went inside out. But we played up to our percentages. Um, but this year coming in, we knew that, you know, with the loss of rebounding, like my philosophy was, OK, if we're losing some O boards and we're losing some total rebounds, we got to get threes for twos. So, you know, that will help us make up for that point differential that Nas was able to get off of O boards and mm -hmm. also at the free throw line because offensive rebounds results in free throws a lot. So how are we going to make up for that? Well, Layla Felia was a, was a good shooter last year, but not a super confident shooter. She went home and worked incredibly, incredibly hard on her shot and is shooting it really, really well. Um, Maddie Nolan was an unbelievable shooter, and now she's a senior that has a lot more confidence. You know, last year she would miss a couple, and then it was like, whoop, I'm not shooting it anymore. You know, early on this year she missed her first five and then made her last three. I think it was in the South Florida game to help us win that game in the fourth quarter. You know, Greta Cam Schrader is a young lady that transferred in our program. Phenomenal shooter. But she, up until last game, was, you know, I think one for 10 or one for 11 or two for 12 or something very low. But, you know, I went, you know, I went up to her and I talked to her about it. I said, you're a great shooter. Like, those numbers will change if you keep shooting. Like, have the confidence to take great shots. And in our last game, she made two. Um, you know, Emily Kaiser's a great shooter. You know, Leah Brown's not shooting it really well right now, but she's a great shooter. So I just think that that's really an important piece for us. And and I don't look at the numbers like you, but I, I'm, you know, that's pretty cool because, you know, one of my assistants is all about the three. So so after this, I'm going to run down the hallway and say, look, we're, we were at 227 last year and we're up to 90. So take a deep breath. We're moving in the right direction. It, it, it's true. And, and again, like you said, you know, Leah and Greta are both, shooters who are better than they have displayed so far, you're already up to 35% overall. So obviously the efficiency is there. And if anything, that number is going to go up, uh, which is going to matter as you head into Big Ten play. But the other thing that's going to really matter about the Big Ten play, and, and, and we're going to talk about it in just a moment, um, is the pace in which you are playing. So we're going to get into pace and how fundamentally that has changed and for the better and for you guys alone, not for your opposition. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all, and they do. They have women's basketball, it's very important. They have NWSL over at Bet Online. 
BetOnline.net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And so, all right, I take it back. I now have my favorite stat uh, for you guys, and it is this. You were getting an average, excuse me, a total of 12.4% of your total offensive opportunities in transition last year. You are at 18.9% so far this year. Just a fundamental shift to go from bottom fifth in the entire country, and by design, obviously, with the way you were playing, to being able to play in transition. But wait, you go to the other side, and so often teams will give up more transition opportunities when they add transition opportunities. You guys are allowing 13% transition opportunities per synergy. That is in the 11th percentile. So essentially bottom 10th in the entire country in terms of allowing other teams to run on you. Tell me how that happens. How is it, and first of all, how much is that by design? And second of all, how is it that you're implementing a system that's allowing you to get those easy transition buckets and keeping other teams from doing the same? Wow. Those are some good numbers. I didn't really know. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Um, you know, that is definitely something that we talked about in the off season without, um, you know, without Nas, we don't necessarily run a post um, to sit in the paint and try to get them a touch. Initially, we want our guards to play in the open court. And we think that's a strength of our team um, mm -hmm. is to really, you know, Leah Brown to get in the open court, Layla Filia to get in the open court. And that will help open up so many things for Maddie Nolan and for Greta Kamstrader and for those shooters. Um, so that really has been a point of emphasis for for us is to try to get some of those easy touches, try to get that transition, try to draw fouls um, in the open court in early transition. So, so that's been something that we work on all the time in practice. And I think without Nas, obviously that opens things up because it's not the first look to go to Nas who's rim running so fast down the floor and then drawing so much attention to the paint, which really takes away your transition. Um, so that has really been beneficial. Um, and defensive transition is something that that we work on um, every day. And and when you say those numbers for us to play against teams like Baylor and Miami, where they have some of the fastest guards in the country, and to be able to do that um, is really good. You know, I kind of practice every day with a list of things we need to improve on. But today, you're going to have me kind of practice with with a list of things that we're doing okay at. So. Um, so it's going to it's a great reminder and it's a great reminder for our team. OK, this is this is where we are. But to get to where we need to be, we need to continue to work on these things. But it's it's nice to see um, some success in those areas, because those are definitely things that we emphasize at practice. And those are things that we really want to improve on and be better at. It, it, it is fascinating to see. And, and to that end, as far as practice goes, you have a couple of freshmen that uh, you went over into Indiana and, and brought them to Michigan and Alyssa Crockett and Kate Clark. I know we've seen uh, Alyssa a bit more in the rotation so far, uh, but I'm just curious what your early impressions have been of both players, uh, you know, and obviously as players who are part of that culture where they're putting in the time with the idea that down the road, there's the opportunity to play here. Yeah, our freshman class, you know, Alyssa, Kate, and, and Kyra Evans is another one, and I'll, and I'll mention her um, as well. They are, um, they're, they're awesome. They are just such great, incredible kids. 
that have bought into like the, the Michigan difference and the Michigan way and, and our culture. And they're just a joy to, to coach every single day. They're all a little bit different, but they're all going to be tremendous in their time here. It's so funny. I have, you know, three children of my own and my youngest comes to practice pretty much every day. And, and her and, and my middle daughter, you know, every day come home and they're like, the freshmen are awesome. The freshmen are awesome. Like, I don't know which one is better than the other one, you know? So uh, they can already see that, they're going to be impact players in our program. And Alyssa, you know, she is so versatile. She can face up. She can play with a back to the basket. She can shoot the three. She can handle the ball. When we've been pressed early on uh, against teams like Baylor and, and Miami, she's brought the ball up the court for us mm -hmm. and really relieved some of that pressure from the point guard position. And as a 6-1 um, combo kid, 3-4 kid, that's really impressive. Um, so she's off to a fabulous start. Kate Clark hasn't gotten many minutes, but she is going to be awesome. She is really working on her game. She, she came in with some nagging injuries and she's working on her strength. And, you know, every day I come in at 8 a.m. and she's here at her and, Le, her and Layla Felia are here at 7 a.m. Um, Layla picks her up every morning and she's in working on her game with Layla. I mean, those two train together every day. So Kate, uh, incredibly hard worker. I already see flashes of brilliance. I am so excited to see what the future holds for her. And then Kyra Evans is a is a young woman that we um, got from Australia. And she um, she was injured early on, so she was battling back um, and uh, actually played 15 minutes in our game on Sunday and was plus 18 in 15 minutes, mm -hmm. played down the stretch for us and only took one shot. So golly, if you can affect the game in that kind of way, reminds me of a young Emily Kaiser. Um, incredible footwork, incredible in the post, um, really strong, can shoot the three, and super high IQ. Um, when she was out there, she was really helping Emily on the defensive end, really understanding help defense and where to be. So I, I think, you know, for the future of our program, and, and you know, it's funny, we, we talk about this and we think about this and the landscape of college athletics has changed so much in the last few years. I was, I was trying to explain it to my daughter on the way to school today because she's like, okay, so if you transfer, do you get the COVID year? And I was like, well, now, because you don't have to sit out. But back when you used to have to sit out, you only have five years. So I was explaining all this to her, but how much the landscape has, has changed um, and how different college athletics is now where for us, you know, these freshmen are going to be so impactful in the future. But a lot of teams, you know, have fifth year kids or transfer kids that they're building, you know, teams from year to year where we're trying to keep our program consistent throughout the years. So I think that's really important for us. And that's kind of been the way that we've been able to stay at this level is the player development for those young kids. And to really believe that if you stay, you will get there. And if you work and, and you believe in the process, you will really be successful at the University of Michigan. Bottom line is culture tells and you see it again and again. And so, you know, we, we are obviously, you know, delighted to see your success there. Um, as a New Jersey native, though, we are obviously sad uh, that Michigan has stolen you away from the Garden State. Uh, I know you're coming back on January 19th to face Rutgers uh, at the uh, Rutgers Athletic Center. And so my question for you, I know former uh, Glen Rock resident, you know, home of Kosher Nash, and there's no shortage of New Jersey delicacies. When you're back here, what's the number one thing that is most important for you to enjoy from our state when you're back here? 
Oh my gosh. There are so many, you know, Howard, sometimes I get so upset that Jersey gets such a bad rap mm -hmm. because it is such an incredible, incredible state, whether that's, you know, I got to go home for Caitlin Flaherty's wedding and to be at the beach, the Jersey shore, there's no place like it. But, um, you know, I go to the bagel store immediately, you know, there's a, there's a group of guys that are there every morning reading the paper still and checking the scores and you can go through every, and you know, Adrian Wojnarowski, you know, used to be my, my neighbor and I'd see him in the morning at five or 6am at the bagel store and, you know, just catch up. Um, but you can't, you got to get a bagel. I mean, first and foremost, um, you know, Taylor ham is not something that we have really in Michigan. So, you know, I have to make sure I go, you know, get that and pizza, you know, that's another highlight. Um, but the people too, you know, I, I, I miss my people. Um, so it, it's fun to see my, my family and some of my best friends and obviously go on some, some runs and visit, you know, my, my old neighborhood, but um, I love Jersey. I, you're right down the street from, uh, you know, where I used to live. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a great place. Valley Hospital. My two daughters were born there. Right. You know, right. in Ridgewood. So sure. um, so it's definitely, you know, a part of who I am. Um, but now, you know, I bleed blue and Michigan. Michigan is home. Um, Ann Arbor is incredible. It's been an unbelievable place to raise my children and um, the community has been wonderful and the university is absolutely incredible. So, so go blue. That's what we say. Go blue. Understood. And it's right in your Twitter handle. It's definitely worth following. And, and again, to our listeners, you know, thank you for making us your first listen every day. Make sure for your second listen, you check out Locked On Sports today from the games that matter to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. And again, uh, Tim, I, I wish you all the best of luck. It would be nice to see you in person. Uh, when you come back to Jersey, you uh, are correct. It's Taylor Hammond, uh, Pork Roll. And all the best of luck to you and to Michigan for the rest of the season. Thank you, Howard, and thank you so much for having me on, and thanks for all you do for our game. My pleasure, and tomorrow we'll be back with actually an upcoming Michigan opponent. Head coach Courtney Banghart will be coming. Until then, I am Howard Megdahl, and this is Locked On Women's Basketball. Have a wonderful day. Welcome to Wallet. For the win! You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. 